0: I realized we were sitting in a meeting and I looked around the table thinking, okay, so legal is here and compliance is here and technology is here and all of these groups, none of them were really advocating for the customer. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast from Uniform, the podcast that dives into real conversations that are happening in contact centers around the world. Here you'll experience exciting interviews with well-known thought leaders, hear compelling stories from industry experts, gain fresh insights on contact center best practices and more. So grab a beverage and tune in as we get real with Conversations That Matter.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Conversations That Matter. I'm your host, Randy Kassar. And today I have Jeannie Walters with us. Welcome Jeannie.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: So really excited for you to be here and you know, you've been in the business for over 20 years. So just to read your bio and give you a little gratitude because a lot of, you know, we don't get that enough these days. <laughs> so for more than 20 years, Jeannie Walters has been dedicated to creating meaningful moments and real results. As a founder and chief experience officer of Experience investigators, Jeannie has helped organizations from small to fortune 500s like Verizon and Allstate create fewer ruined days for customers. You are a TEDx speaker, a founding member of CXPA and the co-host of the top-rated Crack the Customer Code podcast, and, which I love, a four-time LinkedIn learning instructor on some really great customer journey lessons. So definitely welcome, love that you're with us today, really excited to kind of get things started. So to get started, you know, I think what would be interesting is how did you get into the business of what you're doing now in terms of customer experience and just really helping companies with their CX?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, like everybody in kindergarten, I told everybody I was going to be a customer experience professional, right? Because that
1: <laughs> that's what you do, right?
0: Right, right. And there, hopefully, the next generation, there will be people who say that. But, you know, when I was coming up in the world, that wasn't even a thing. And yeah. really, what caused me to be on this path is I started more in the traditional marketing communications world. And I was actually partners at a firm with my brother, Bill Cusick, who's a, an expert in his own right, mm-hmm. and he and I were really serving these big clients around communication and marketing strategy at the dawn of what I call the big internet when they started realizing they needed to do more than just have brochure wear out there.
1: <laughs> That's when I started. Yeah. Remember 94. those days? I do. <laughs>
0: And, you know, we were in all these meetings because we were part of the team that was developing the very first, and this is hard to believe too, but the very first online insurance quote ever. And the CEO just announced a date and said, we're going to be the first. And so it was kind of all hands on deck. And I realized we were sitting in a meeting and I looked around the table thinking, okay, so legal is here and compliance is here and technology is here. And all of these groups, none of them were really advocating for the customer, Because if you think about it, at that time, nobody bought insurance directly. We all had to go through a middleman. We all had to go through an agent or a broker. So it was the first time that a brand had ever spoken directly to a consumer in this context. And they just weren't trained to think that way. And so we literally put a stake in the ground and said, you know what, this is our role. We're going to advocate for the customer. We're going to stand up for customer experience. And that meant that I had some battles with the corporate legal team because I thought that they could just say you instead of the insured. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, it was great experience to really understand that we were trying to advocate for something that I didn't know where this whole industry was going. And to see how far we come, it's really exciting that so many leaders are out there now really advocating for customers and that I think is worth celebrating
1: totally I mean it's definitely a little more human touch to it I mean it's funny that we actually had to actually prove that right, right? like <laughs> you know, on one side of the shoulder people are like don't do it don't do it it's yeah. gonna ruin everything and the other side is like this is how we talk in person like right <laughs> so I totally get it and that's that's great to, to hear that background and you started back in when in, in the 90s
0: Yeah, in the 90s. So I actually moved back to Chicago in 1998. And from there on, it was pretty much I've been on this journey.
1: And you've been a Cubs fan ever since?
0: Oh, way before 98. My friend, I was (laughs) born a Cubs fan, and I will die a Cubs fan. And it was so incredible to witness the World Series a few years ago. So,
1: oh, I can't imagine the parade and all that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it gives you tingles, right? Now.
0: I know, just yeah. good memories.
1: <laughs> all right. So, now that we kind of hear kind of where your inspiration and motivations from, I'd love to hear kind of your firsthand experience on how the role of CX has changed. You know, one is that it's, I think the title is there and it's you go on LinkedIn and you see people have that title now, but it wasn't quite so before that. So, kind of curious from your perspective kind of the role as well as how leadership has viewed it over the years? Mm -hmm.
0: That's a great question. I think, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning. uh... (laughs) In the beginning
1: of time (laughs) when dinosaurs roamed the earth.
0: And customer experience has always been kind of a topic, you know, something that people get excited about, they want to learn about it. And it's easy in some ways to say, oh, I could do this because we're evolving customers. We know what to do. And I think what's changed is that we realize, first of all, it's not just this nice to talk about thing it should be part of your business strategy. It should be part of this mindset that creates a culture of customer centricity throughout an organization. And then in order to deliver on those things, you need real business discipline around it too. And so it's not just kind of a magic wand or an elixir or just something that is nice to put a banner up and say, we love our customers.
1: Yeah, it's not just a checklist. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So I think that's what's really changed is the brands that are doing this the best. They understand that this is really part of doing business. It's not nice to have. And it's not something that is a project or short term vision. It's got to be long term.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think that's very much how things have changed. And that's interesting that you know that as well. So let's kind of pivot a little. You know, Unifor, we talk a lot about AI and and automation. And I I think there's, as I was doing some research on you, we took a look at a recent presentation that you did. There was a quote that you put up on the board. And it said, understand the real journey of your customers using both automation and humanity. So which is really interesting to me in terms of how we talk about CX and kind of the human side of things. But what do you think the role that we, the humans, (laughs) kind of need to play as we kind of ensure these AI solutions are are helpful to customers? Mm -hmm. I think there's customers have a a tendency of thinking one thing for AI and and the business has another definition of it. Mm -hmm. So kind of curious on your take.
0: Well, I love that this is becoming such a universal kind of discussion because I think in the beginning, there was a lot of fear around AI. There was a lot of hesitation around it, thinking, you know, the robots are taking over or Skynet is coming or whatever. And I think now what we're learning as we've evolved a little bit with this journey with the AI is that when we look at the customer journey, and this is true, no matter what your technology or anything you're dealing with, oftentimes in business, we cannot really see That perspective of the customer. We think we can. We've created processes and process maps and all these wonderful things, but that's still our perspective. And that's still a journey we're putting the customer into. And the way I like to think about this is if we can flip that script and really understand the customer journey by observing them, by asking for feedback, by doing customer journey maps, that's all kind of the human side of things. But then we have all these wonderful things on the technology side like behavioral analytics and things that tell us here's what a customer does in this moment. So a customer might tell you one thing and behave differently and that's what technology can really open us up to and understand. And I think with AI, we have to remember that, you know, machine learning is amazing, artificial intelligence is amazing, but guess what? We still need humans to create it, right? And we right. still need humans to program it. And I'm sure you're much more well versed on how to do that because that's all Magic to me, but I do think that we need to represent the customer from the very beginning. And I believe that now we're starting to have really important conversations about cultural representation, about really understanding. That if we have a bunch of people who are programming this type of technology, who are not diverse, who are not representative of our customer base, then we're not really seeing things from the right perspective. We're not really developing the tools they need to get through their own personal customer journey. So those two things are going to be hand in hand, I think, forever. I'm curious what you think about that, because you probably have a slightly different perspective. But I think that we need humans and we need the technology. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. So I think in the way that that we work with with companies is that we are Helping them kind of optimize their their processes, and it's not like we're taking away the human jobs. We're really kind of optimizing the processes and the workflow, mm-hmm. and and hopefully saving money, right? I mean, that's that's the, the end goal <laughs> yeah. around AI and automation. It's not just to to add it to a tech stack. So I think that's something that's that we see a lot, especially within contact centers and call centers. There is a fear of like, okay, especially from the agent standpoint, is that oh, you're going to bring in AI, you're going to take away our jobs, but. The point is that you get the right information at the right time. The supervisors can properly triage whatever issues that they need to triage. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's uh, the AI and automation, especially, is definitely something that's we're seeing really take off. So it's quite interesting.
0: Well, and I think you bring up a great point there because you know, none of this works if it doesn't work for the business. Yeah. And so when we talk about customer experience, like, you know, sometimes it drives me crazy because people are like, you, you need to hand write a note to every single customer. And that's not necessarily realistic. And you can't scale those ideas. Right. And so I think looking at AI as a way to leverage how we can respond to customers in a personal way, in yeah. a scalable way, and then save those humans for those big events with customers that need more nuance, that need more humanity.
1: Yeah, need more of the handholding, need more of the, yeah, totally. So I totally agree with that. It's, you know, there's a difference between, you know, 20 or 30 people that you're trying to provide that VIP customer service versus say you have 5,000 agents Mm -hmm. out there and you you need to make sure that they're doing the best that they can and they're empowered with all the right tools as well as kind of best practices. So it's
0: right, exactly. Yeah, there are so many uses for it. So it's exciting to think about where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, it totally is. And we talked, you know, kind of how things can get started a little bit. But, you know, and I think it's kind of where your LinkedIn course comes into play as well is, right, the, the customer journey mapping, I think, is really mm-hmm. key, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is that where you start most engagements with your clients?
0: I don't know if I always start there. I do quite a bit of journey mapping. A lot of what I'm doing right now is actually kind of teaching them to fish, right? Like training them on how to do this because in an ideal world, it's not one journey map. It's part of that discipline. It's part of that practice within your organization that you give people these skills so that they can really make sure that they're journey mapping and that they're checking in with journey maps to make decisions around like product development or you know how to follow up for certain service issues or all these things so a lot of what I'm doing right now is around teaching and training but I think the other thing that I love about journey mapping is it's essentially asking a lot of questions it's forcing us to look at you know what what is the promise that we make our customers what do they believe and are we able to deliver on that and if we're not How does that appear and how should we show up? And all these big kind of philosophical (laughs) questions. And I think sometimes we turn journey mapping into a deliverable. Like we say, okay, we're going to do a journey map check and we don't get into those powerful questions. And I think that's where real change happens. And that's where we really live up to who we want to be for customers. So that's how I like to think about it. So I do a a little bit of everything right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Well, that makes sense. So let's turn back to the topic of, of leadership. And I think with a lens on the technology elements, mm-hmm. honestly, knee deep, you know, this isn't a podcast about going deep in the technology. But I think what you have probably have seen in terms of especially as you work on kind of strategy for clients is that a lot of it's siloed, right? A lot of people are trying to do their own thing, especially in the bigger companies. Mm-hmm. So I guess the two questions is, how do you get them all to work together? And then how do you find those right stories, those right storytellers, the right influencers to kind of Get that strategy going together. Mm-hmm.
0: I love this question because I think every single organization has silos, whether they admit it or not. And there are a couple things that happen. One is the technology side. One, you know, it's hard right now. Not every company has the benefit of even data centralization, so they have all these different places where they keep customer data, or they have all these different places where they keep. You know, several sets of data. And it can be, you know, it's like they're tripping over themselves all the time because that's when you start seeing things where, you know, you're getting different communications addressed to you different ways or different surveys at different points. And you think, I already filled this out. I already told these guys this. And that can be really detrimental to just the customer experience. So that's one way to talk about it is really say, what are we really doing here? Are we gathering information for a fiefdom because we believe that this is our territory and we have to prove that this is the department that deserves it? Or are we really looking at things from that customer perspective and trying to centralize it for them? But I I like the next part of your question there because you talked about how can you get these people? How do you find them throughout the organization? And I think it's something that we often overlook because I really believe that there are change agents throughout any organization. There are people who read my blog or other resources just because they want to know. It's not in their title. They're not empowered yet to really do anything with it. But they start becoming aware of what's possible. And I think if you can really start doing some outreach, and it doesn't have to be formal. Here's, I mean, people sometimes say, well, I need my boss to approve. But if you say, hey, you know, on a lunch hour, can I just do a brown bag?
1: Coffee chat, yeah. Brown bag, coffee chat, something like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then you start identifying who's showing up for that. And then you can kind of deputize them. And you can say, hey, you know what, we're doing this thing where we want people to really focus on customers. If I give you tools and resources, will you help me do that? And I think that can be a very powerful approach. It does not happen overnight, but it's something where you can start building this coalition of people who really believe in the mission of customer experience and are willing to just start evangelizing it throughout your organization. That can be A really cool way to go about it
1: yeah I mean it it could be a a deal breaker in a way I mean I always say that the key influencer is not the the person at the top it's Mm -hmm. who influences that person at the top that's right that's usually down here yep
0: (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> or the gatekeepers, right? Like we used to talk about the gatekeepers, the yeah. the executive assistants and all those people, like, you know, they play a really important role too because they can help identify people a lot of times. So if you can find those kind of hubs, those people hubs and ask them, say, who do you think would be good at this? And who do you think I should reach out to? That can be really helpful too. Yeah.
1: And now for a short break, let's learn more about Unifor. Unifor is the global leader in conversational service automation company's vision is to disrupt an outdated customer service model by bridging the gap between human and machine using voice, AI, and automation so that every voice on every call is truly heard. For more information about Unifor, go to www.unifor.com, email podcast at unifor.com, or tweet at Unifor. Now, back to the podcast. So from a leader perspective, because we have a lot of leaders that are listening to us, what are some of the concrete steps that they can take to ensure that organizations are addressing the whole customer journey and effectively kind of leverage these technologies of AI automation and, and ML to support the business goals?
0: Right. Well, I mean, I think part of it is having customer experience as part of your strategy. That seems so basic to say, but often if you look at a traditional business plan, for instance, it does not talk about post-sale very much. It talks about how are you going to invoice them how are you going to make money? But it's all about acquisition. That's what we've been trained as business people to think. And so I think leaders really have to recognize, okay, what does successful customer experience look like? And what does that mean to our business? And that can mean Millions of dollars. You know, if you get 1% increase in retention in some organization, that can mean millions of dollars. True. So if you can start looking for things like that and really start identifying what it means to the business, that can be very powerful. And then on the other side of that coin is it can also mean cost savings, right? And time saving. And so that's where AI can really play a big role because if you're looking for, okay, how can we lead in customer experience and get those business results we need, cost savings can be a big part of that. And if If you're able to, you know, keep your contact center costs down and keep your customer service costs down because you've got this AI that can actually personalize things, in some cases better than humans, then that can be really meaningful too. And AI is also useful for like upsell, right? Like in all these things where if we can identify the personal way that somebody responds to that, then there's just nothing you know, out of reach for this, I think. So I would start with strategy and then start, yeah. you know, tying that back to results.
1: I talked once to Jean Bliss. Mm-hmm. She's great on, on kind of leadership, what she calls leadership bravery. Yep. And one of the things we talked about was around instilling CX into the culture. Yep. What are your thoughts around that in terms of making that a priority?
0: Absolutely. And no CX strategy will work without that. And I think, of course, Jean puts it in such a beautiful way. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is a customer experience mission that people can internalize throughout your organization, because we have a tendency to create these like 17 paragraph. 40 bullet point, you know, vision, values, all that stuff. And those that's important for the organization. But sometimes that doesn't translate into what is the experience we want to deliver? What is most important in the choices that we have to make every day? I mean, your people have to make judgment calls every day. Day and if you and I have not agreed on what the ultimate outcome is, then we might make different decisions there. And so I really believe that the culture starts with that customer experience mission, something that people can tuck into their hearts. Ritz Carlton is well known for what they call a service motto, which is "We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen," and that tells you so much about who they are and what they're trying to deliver. The mission in my company is to create fewer ruined days for customers. Sounds so simple, I know, but <laughs> we all know it's not. Yeah. And part of what I really believe, and it sounds a little lofty, but I really believe that if we have the power to do that, we have the power to make a better world because we're making human beings' days better. And yeah. that's amazing to me. And that's really powerful. And so knowing that, you know, everything we do, that's our ultimate outcome. So when we are forced with those judgment calls, we have something that we can hold on to and respond to. And I think a lot of organizations just miss that opportunity. They say things like, we want to be customer-centric or customers are first. But what does that really mean? We need to distill it a little bit and make sure that we're living that mission all the time.
1: I mean, I think they need to have the discussion, right? Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Is not to make this... Just add a little humor to this conversation, but it's a serious conversation. It's like having, you know, your girlfriend boyfriend conversation. Like, you need to have the conversation first. Yes. To understand where you're going. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think I use that. Metaphor a lot too about like this is a relationship like anything else, right? So, when we are with customers, we are making them a promise. If we're not living up to that promise, we are disappointing them. We are being that crappy boyfriend. (laughs) We are, you know, all those things. And it's all about making sure that we are letting the customer know that we are living up to that promise. And if we can reflect that along the journey, not just when we're trying to earn the sale, but all the way through the journey. That's what really earns the loyalty
1: and respect of customers. Yeah, that's a good point. Very true. So we talked in your bio that that you're another fellow podcaster, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. You guys, who's the gentleman that you uh, co-host with?
0: Adam Toporek of Customers That Stick. He's in Orlando, Florida, and I'm in Chicago. And we virtually connect and talk to people about customer experience once a week.
1: That's awesome. So Crack the Customer Code, mm-hmm. you guys can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we'll put some links in the show notes, for, of course. Great. So one of the things you guys talked about recently was around considerations for remote work, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, remote work has been around for a long time, but now we're very focused on that. And especially from a contact center standpoint, the agents are all primarily working remotely. So kind of curious from you, in terms of, you talked about employee mapping, you talked about kind of a communication plan and approach. You also talked about kind of exploring the employee realities. How do you go about kind of having those conversations? We'll start with like employee mapping. Uh, just and Again, just kind of, uh, this could be a whole other episode, but <laughs> kind of curious on the employee mapping part. I think that's one that's really interesting for me from a customer mm-hmm. experience standpoint.
0: Yeah, I find that we can apply a lot of the customer experience best practices, especially around journey mapping to the employee experience. And now that everybody's been kind of thrown up in the air and landed wherever they landed, yeah. we are doing a lot of work around really figuring out what is that experience like for them and how can we support them? And for example, there was a credit union I worked with and they were really struggling with remote work before this happened. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they just had to adapt, right? And one of the things they did that I thought was really smart was reach out and say, what do you wish you had in-home setup that would make your life easier? And they did a couple surveys about that. And then they just decided, okay, everybody needs a better webcam. Everybody needs these different things. And so- They had different ways that employees could get that very quickly. They had all sorts of support around that. And it was because they were just thinking about it differently. And then the other part of employee mapping that I think is really important in today's world is that every employee, I mean, we were joking about like our kids being on video calls and everybody seeing each other's dogs and all of that. And there's part of that that is really endearing and human. And I think everybody is enjoying that a little bit, enjoying the (laughs) authenticity of that. At the same time, there are real challenges, right, with having young children or having pets, or maybe you have an older relative at home who you're caring for, like all these different stress points. And so thinking about segments of employees slightly differently, instead of thinking about, okay, our IT team, thinking about, okay, who are our employees who have those young kids? How can we support them? How can yeah. we map that experience specific to them? And how can we provide them that peer support, too, that I think is really important now, too. So it's really taking those best practices around customer experience and applying them to your employees and figuring out what are the personas that we're really working with now and how can we best support them but you're right. It could be another podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It totally could be another podcast. So if you guys want to listen to it some more, definitely we'll put a link in the show notes to the specific episode. Uh, It it was a really good one. All right. We're getting to a section around measurement. Uh, And I think, you know, we talked about effectiveness of remote working a bit just now. And I think we kind of know what the effectiveness is, but in terms of what the ultimate goal is, what are your thoughts around measuring the effectiveness of remote working? Do we need to Mm -hmm. measure that? Is, Is that something that's needed?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I think this is so whenever I say this answer, I'm always like, Oh, I'm such a consultant, but it really does depend. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, I think it's always about the goal. And I think sometimes this happens with customer journey mapping people call me and they say, we need to do a journey map. And I'll say, okay, great. Why? What's your goal? And they're like, we need to do a journey map. And what do you do? yeah, exactly. And I think the same thing could be said about measuring the effectiveness or the productivity or anything around your workers right now, because, you know, what's the goal of that? If the goal is to figure out, are we more effective at home? Maybe it's worth doing that. If the goal is about employee happiness and making sure that they're,
1: Mental health, yeah. you
0: know, then that could be important too. But I think we need to be aware that, you know, everybody's under, I think, more stress now than we have been. I think I there's this emotional load that we don't really talk about, but It's just the matter of, okay, we've got to figure all this out. We've got to make sure our kids are okay. We've got to get our grocery store to deliver curbside or whatever, like all these extra steps. And I think that takes a toll on people. So I think we want to be really aware of overburdening employees with things that maybe aren't as necessary as sometimes we think they might be.
1: Another dashboard, another stress to right. worry about. I mean, yes, right. dashboards are good, but I think sometimes you just need to ask people. So maybe doing a survey, right? Uh, yeah. Probably do justice just Yeah, exactly. From a AI and automation standpoint, we talk a lot here at Unifor about kind of the cost savings that you get from it. How do you think companies should look at that investment? What are the things that they should look at?
0: Well, I mean, if we're coming straight from a customer experience standpoint, one of the things I love about AI is it saves your employees from being the robots right? <laughs> because yeah. there are times where employees get the same question over and over and over. They have to do the same thing over and over and over. They have to point customers to the same page on the website or whatever yeah, it is.
1: Same KB article. Or
0: exactly. And so I think that can be really powerful for both making sure customers are getting rapid responses in real time, personalized to them, that that make them feel served and cared for. But then on the flip side of that, you have employees who now are able to really use their talents in better ways and help those customers who really need them in that moment, who have those more complex situations or nuanced situations. And so I think that if we're looking at, you know, we can look at all the revenue things that we talked about with, yeah. you know, customer service and everything else. But I think there's this emotional element that makes employees happier too. And so that shouldn't be dismissed because I think that's an important thing.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I totally agree. All right. So uh, isn't necessarily rapid fire, but we'll keep it short. <laughs> but I think one of the things that I love hearing about are people's personal experiences on the customer service side. Mm And we see it all over Twitter in terms of people complaining about their telecom provider or maybe their their restaurant that they had a problem with, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also some interesting stories and hopefully that you have one where it kind of they spin it into a actually positive experience whether it's surprise mm-hmm. and delight or just a positive experience so tell us about a recent customer experience that you had was subpar again that definition is very loose <laughs> <laughs> but where the company kind of came around and, and like really made it better mm-hmm. and, and got you what, what you need Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to share with us? About? Yeah,
0: well, I think that this might surprise you, but Nordstrom has not always been so great, even though they're so great usually. But one of the things that happened recently was I was trying to reach somebody at a retail store, and during this whole episode. I couldn't reach anybody. And I was getting very, very frustrated. And one of the things that happened was one of the workers there eventually heard the message or whatever. Mm -hmm. She reached out to me, sent me an email with like the different pieces that would help me solve my problem. And then by the way mentioned the sale they were having (laughs) online and suddenly (laughs) I was a fan (laughs) so i thought it was it was great that there were a couple things she did that was important to me and one was she acknowledged you know what? Somebody should have gotten back to you. You're absolutely right. And I think that step in the process is often skipped. We kind of want to smooth things over without acknowledging that something went wrong. When we can do that, we actually have that moment of humanity. And we say, you know what? We messed up. Here's what we're doing about it. And that's how the message started. But then I kind of mentioned the sale, but essentially what she was saying was, I know you like these things, right? Like she knew enough to know who I was and then she was able to point me exactly to what I like. And Nordstrom is so amazing at their automation as well. But I just thought that was a really human example of making it better.
1: Yeah. I mean, retail is great. I've had those experiences actually with Nordstrom themselves. You know, I prefer going there than any other place to shop for clothes. There's just yep. something about it. So they
0: focus on service. I mean, yeah. that's that's one of their core beliefs and you can tell.
1: Totally. I mean, very similar to like Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm. So that's very similar kind of mantras and, and uh, cultures. Yep, very much. All right. So kind of to close off things, I want to give you the airwaves, tell people how to connect with you. And if you have any other last minute tips that you think can help people improve their CX and hopefully save money, right? Sure.
0: I mean, that's the goal. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. That is the goal. So tell us, how can people get a hold of you? Well,
0: first of all, thank you for having me here. This has been really fun. And if anyone does want to reach out, I love hearing from people. You can check out our website at experienceinvestigators.com. We have a 21-day customer experience challenge that anyone can sign up for. It's just little prompts to help us all think of what to do for customer experience. So that's one way. You can find our podcast at Crack the Customer Code, and you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn and LinkedIn Learning, and I'm pretty easy to find. So... So hope to hear from you.
1: Awesome. So yeah, I really appreciate you joining us. It's been great. Awesome lessons learned in terms of CX, in terms of kind of how AI fits into it. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, our conversation around remote working, which I think we can have you back for a full on uh, <laughs> other episode.
0: We'll do it. We'll just yeah. keep adding podcasts to this. Just
1: keep, just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, Excellent. thank you very much. Thank you. you have a great day and thanks again.
0: Thanks. You have been listening to the Conversations That Matter podcast by Unifor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and rate and review to enable us to create relevant and valuable content for your business. If you'd like to learn more about conversational service automation, visit Unifor.com. Have a great day.